When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Andrew Khan. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On today's episode, we will discuss what went wrong for the Wolverines in their 51-49 loss to UCLA in the lead eight. Plus, we put a bow on their season and discuss what's next for Jawan Howard's program. Guys, welcome in. And yes, it is not Andrew doing the intro today because he is joining us from his car on his way home from Indianapolis. Any any issues staying awake, my man? No, well, I, I could do this drive while I'm asleep at this point uh, after, you know, Big Ten tournament and then the first opening weekend and now, you know, this regional weekend, which is good because I might need to. But no, I liked you doing it. It was it, you doing the intro. I mean, you've done it before when I haven't been on the episode, but that's my first time being on an episode and not doing it. I like it. I feel like I'm a, I'm a guest on a couple of, you know, show. It's nice. Oh, don't be putting that pressure on me. I don't try to hand off the responsibilities here moving <laughs> forward. This is probably just a one-time thing, but yeah, like you said, you were in, in Indianapolis for, for quite a while and uh, take us through uh, what, what happened last night in, uh, in Michigan's 51 to 49 loss. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you guys watched the game, too, at least. I assume you did. I know Ryan did doing the, the live updates. Shoot. What did you guys think? I, I think they should have won the game. I don't <laughs> I, I don't think they played particularly well, uh, especially on the offensive right. side of the floor. Uh, but I, I don't know. They, they couldn't. I think. I mean, I think we all can make this assumption. They, they couldn't finish down the stretch. They struggled with free throws. Uh, they didn't really have their, their go-to score they could rely on. And and last night, at least, I don't think they had the best player on the floor. I mean, Johnny Juzang was fantastic. I mean, they, they had trouble stopping him. He was – I mean, they, they made that comeback when he was out of the game. And I think that goes yep. to show the, the impact he had. And they just – they didn't play well. And that's that's what happens, I think, when this Michigan team isn't playing well. They can be beaten. And, and you saw that Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, when you don't, when you miss your last eight shots in a in a low scoring game, I mean, it's probably you're probably not going to going to come out on top. And uh, some guys just looked uncomfortable for Michigan last night. Most notably, Franz Wagner. I mean, uh, one of ten from the from the floor, zero for four from three, including two in the last few minutes there. And Mike Smith was only one for seven. And Hunter Dickinson led yeah. the team with with eleven points, but he had four turnovers. So I mean, with your big guns just really did not look very comfortable against this UCLA team. And like we said before, I mean, on paper, this looks like a pretty good matchup for Michigan, and and that's why they play the games. And and UCLA made it uncomfortable on Michigan all game long. 
Yeah, both coaches, head coaches, hit the nail on the head afterwards. As far as it was a, it was the, a grinder of all grinders, and the team that won was a team that had fewer turnovers. Essentially, you know, it, Mick Cronin of UCLA said afterwards, you know, the fourteen turnovers, you know, that Michigan had, if that number was only, you know, eight, and Michigan gets six more shots, they probably win the game. Uh, now, I guess the joke would be, well, no, they would have just missed those six uh, and the, the, the drought would have continued. But, I mean, he's absolutely right. That That is the difference. If, you know, six, five missed free throws isn't a ton, but you only shoot 11. It's just like these little things uh, become magnified in a game like that. And it was just, the, yeah, that, that was absolutely the difference. Um, you know, some of the shots down the stretch, you, you could argue, but I don't know, though. Anyone who watched that women's game between UConn and Baylor the other night, like I, I've said this before, I've heard Brad Stevens say it, you know, when he was at Butler uh, uh, talking about his national championship game against Duke, refs might be a little more hesitant to blow the whistle, like to decide a game. So sometimes taking taking jump shots isn't isn't the worst thing instead of, you know, driving it or, or getting it inside. Um, but this was this is Michigan. Their best their leading scorer is a center. Uh, so he's never going to have the ball in his hands to start. It needs to, you know, passes need to be made into him. Mike Smith is going to have the ball in his hands to make the decision. And sometimes that decision is going to be to shoot because he's a good shooter and he can free himself open for a shot. So that, that was one of the shots, you know, on a fast break. It was, it was a clean look, a shot he can make. Uh, Wagner struggled from three in this tournament, but, you know, he, he, he's at a decent percentage overall for the season. Um and those were just the final few. You know, they missed their final eight, and the first four were all at the rim. I mean, they were they were all within five or six feet. It was truly a team effort in losing this game. Uh, you know, they all had a hand in it. No one played, you know, great by any stretch offensively. That's what cost Michigan. If you would have told me that Michigan would outshoot UCLA from two, from three, and out-rebound them by ten, and hold UCLA to 51 points, I would have I would have told you Michigan would win like 99 out of 100 games. And you're right. Their inability, I think, to finish around the rim is really what caused them last night. Last night. Turnovers obviously were huge, especially early on. But, and that's the thing with this tournament format. I mean, you, you play poorly one game, you have one bad out showing, and, and it's over. And, and you saw what happened. UCLA, and now credit to UCLA. I mean, they've been playing really good basketball. They're playing team basketball. Uh, Johnny Juzang, I think, has really come on. He's really been one of the stories of the tournament, in my opinion. And that's, that's it. I mean, it's 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 baffling, but the same token, that's basketball. I mean, you you let up in one area, and you, you fail to score down the stretch, and it's going to cost you a game. And, and that's, I think, to me, that's that's that was a difference. It's really hard to get to the final four. I mean, you know, Michigan has been spoiled lately. They, they've got there, you know, twice. You know, in recent years, 2013 to 2018, it's hard to get out. You know, avoiding that upset in that first weekend, just surviving the chaos that is the NCAA tournament. We saw, you know, across across the the bracket, top seeds falling, many of them from the Big Ten. Um, you know, Michigan was was the only one that you know made it to the Elite Eight, even. Um, so, yeah, that that's something that Michigan has you know pretty much avoided, you know, and, and did again this year, but you know couldn't quite get over the hump to get to that to that Final Four. And, and they, they would have been facing it then a Gonzaga team, which would have just been exciting to try to, you know, end this historical run that Gonzaga is on. You talk about how, how they matched up and whether it would have actually, you know, they would have had a chance, but none of that really matters anymore. UCLA will move on to face Gonzaga 
Baylor and Houston, and then all Texas semifinal on the other side, those games on, on Saturday night. So, yeah, I, I mean, there, there are now you look ahead, but I guess before we do that, we can even kind of recap the season in general. They're hanging a banner. They're going to hang a banner in Chrysler next season because of what Michigan did this year, and that is win the Big Ten regular season outright. They might be hanging one in Champaign, too, for all we know, but, uh, you know, Michigan Michigan earned theirs, was declared uh, the Big Ten champ. Yeah, Jawan Howard wins coach of the year in just his second year. You know, you, you got contributions from freshmen, but notably Hunter Dickinson, Big Ten freshman of the year. There was a lot, a lot to like, and, they you know, they did this all, as every team did, you know, through this pandemic, you know, getting tested every day and, and, and kind of, you know, we talked about the bubble they were in during the NCAA tournament, but they're in a bubble essentially all, all year. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think what Juwan said about, you know, holding their head up high as they, as they left the arena last night is absolutely the, the right approach for Michigan. Yeah. I mean, th- this wasn't expect, this wasn't supposed to happen for them this year. I mean, they, I think they were ranked 25th in, in one of the polls and, and unranked in another. And uh, I, I remember everyone saying at the beginning of the year, so yeah, big missions likely in that second tier in the big 10 and sure enough, they, they come out on top to, to win the regular season and, and make the deepest NCAA tournament run, run out of any of the big 10 teams as well. So, I mean, yeah, it's tough when, when you have an opportunity to, to reach the the final four by, by beating a double digit seed. But again, like UCLA has, has played above their, their, their weight, weight class during this tournament run. So uh, I mean, hats off to, to the Bruins, but yeah, I mean, Michigan to get, to get this far is, is still uh, quite, quite the feat just concerning their, their preseason expectations. I was just going to say, I mean, perspective is key. Michigan was picked to finish what middle middle of a pack there in the Big Ten. I mean, they're expected to be okay, but I don't think anyone really saw this coming. So it is it's it's important to remember that and put put things in context. I mean, I think Jawan Howard did a very good job of of utilizing the talent that they had. Uh, I thought it was impressive that they made the run that they did to the Elite Eight without Isaiah Livers. I mean, he was key all season. I think he would have been even more important uh, here in the tournament and probably could have gotten them to the Final Four. It was an impressive run. Uh, I think that's that, that's definitely a, a credit to Juwan Howard and his coaching staff and the job they did in, in not only game playing and obviously, but developing and bringing some of these guys along. You know, Hunter Dickinson, we talked about, I, I remember early on in the season, before season, but I don't think we really knew what, what they had with him. And he, I think, performed admirably. I, I think he's, he's got an opportunity here to have a potential career in the NBA. I don't know when that's going to come, but the kid's talented. I mean, so it's, there's a lot to like from the season and to take forward with them. And, and I, I think the definitely the, you know, everything, everything is, is rising for this Michigan basketball team. Yeah. I think I wrote this in one of these stories, basically Michigan, there's like two ways to look at kind of the same fact, you know, Michigan came up one game, one, one basket really short of the final four. And that's incredibly dispiriting, but you know, the same thing is, is true. Michigan came up just one game short of the final four. That's a remarkable accomplishment. So, yeah, I mean, no one's going to be uh, buying a beer uh, in the state of Michigan for McCronin uh, anytime soon as, you know, his team takes out Michigan State in the first four and then Michigan uh, to get to the final. So their run continues. But for Michigan looking ahead, it's an interesting year because the NCAA has, you know, decided you know, at the start of the year that seniors that this year does not count against eligibility, you know, limits and that seniors that want to return to their school would not count against scholarship limits. You only get 13 in division one men's basketball 
Michigan has a whole bunch of seniors, uh, most notably Isaiah Livers, Eli Brooks, Shondi Brown, and Mike Smith that could return. Uh, the fact that Mike Smith and Shondi Brown transferred in doesn't matter at this point. The fact that Mike Smith was a 50 year already this year doesn't matter. I got clarification from the NCAA. If they wanted a transfer, they would count a- a- against the scholarship limit at that new school. They could, they could do it and get that extra year, but it would count against the scholarship limit. But if you stay at your current school, you don't. Uh, Michigan would still have to, you know, essentially give that player a scholarship money, but it wouldn't count against against that limit. So, so guys have those decisions to make, and it'll be in conjunction with the coaching staff. So, it's a weird year because we, you know, didn't get to go into the locker room and ask all these players these questions. Uh, only got to ask the one that we we spoke to so far, and that's Eli Brooks. He said he discussed it like with his with his family, but hadn't come to a definitive conclusion. And he, he felt that was something that would be decided during what he called his exit interview with Jawan Howard and maybe some other coaches. You know, because you might want to come back, but you gotta make sure you're wanted back too. Michigan's got, you know, the number one recruiting class in the country coming in. And there's there's six of those players. You know, there's only so many minutes, only five guys on the floor, only one basketball. So it'll be interesting. With the roster makeup, you know, getting one of those senior guards back wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You know, it, it, it will be very interesting to monitor. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, that new rule. No, I think it will be fascinating because if you get, you know, at least a couple of these guys back combined with, you know, the underclassmen and the new recruiting class coming in, Michigan, again, could be very good next year. But like you, like you said, it's kind of going to be up to the coaching staff in terms of decision-making and roster management and everything else. Just like every other coach across the country is going to be dealing with. I mean, you've only got so many spots on the team. Only, like you said, only so many scholarships to dole out, and and the the recruiting classes aren't getting any smaller. So it, it's going to be a it's going to be interesting off season to follow. It was the same in football too this past year. Uh, is that correct? That you know that didn't yeah. count as a. So it did. Did anyone? Did any Wolverines take advantage of that? Seniors that are that are back for an, another year. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, a couple. I mean, linebacker Josh Ross sticks out to me. Uh, Donovan Jeter's okay. back. Now, that that doesn't mean that they they weren't already planning to come back and there wasn't already room for them. But they, they're the perfect example is Josh Ross is in his fifth year. He probably, under normal circumstances, if they played a full year last year, he probably would have left for the NFL. But yeah, so Michigan football does, they do have a couple examples there. Same with the Michigan baseball team too. I know even this right. year uh, they had they have a couple fifth or sixth year seniors that decided to to come back as well because they also have uh, roster expansion and and for for this season as well. So, and then of course there's the transfer portal. You know it was it's wild. It's almost like Michigan was you know, you know they were monitoring, but you're you're almost a little, a little behind. You're not going to be Jawan's not going to be reaching out to these guys during uh, you know NCAA tournament prep. Um, I mean it's a good it's a good problem to have rather be playing games but there are you know a record number of players in it whether Michigan would look to you know add a add a veteran player that way you know if, if any of their current you know seniors like I said decide that that they're done you know remains to be seen but again Michigan's just got their seniors aren't NBA in some cases not NBA prospects at all or you know in Isaiah Lippert's case I mean he's no he's no lock for the first round he got hurt at the end of his you know at the end of his, his year again it's just kind of, it's just kind of interesting, but you know, they might just be ready to move on, but then you got COVID hanging over everything as far as overseas opportunities. It's just, it's just a, a, a weird, unique situation, but you know, certainly something to monitor. Like I said, Michigan brings in the number one recruiting
recruiting class in the country, you know, multiple five stars, guys in the top 100. Uh, you got kind of every position covered as well. You know, if you're worried about the way they scored the ball uh, in their final game of the season, you know, they certainly got some offensive punch coming in. Caleb Houston's viewed as one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter in this class, you know, and Michigan will start its work or continue its work, you know, on the 2022 class as well, already offered some scholarships there. And, you know, that can pick up now that their games are over. So, yeah, I guess you, I, I would also expect Juwan Howard's name to come up for NBA jobs. I wrote about this when it happened, you know, most recently. It's going to happen every single year as long as Juwan, you know, keeps doing well in Michigan. And even if he even if he has some down years, just his reputation in the league is sterling. And now he's, you know, proving himself as a as a head coach. So that those aren't going to go away. I wouldn't, wouldn't worry about losing Juwan Howard um, in, the, in the very near future. So I think that that kind of puts a bow on this season and uh, look ahead to, to next year. Still driving through the beautiful state of Indiana on my way to the even more beautiful state of Michigan. Very good. Well, before we, we put a bow on the the college season, who, who's your guys' uh, championship pick now that there's only four teams left? I, I think only two of these teams belong in the Final Four, and this has probably been the case for, for you know, several weeks, months now, I think it's either going to be Gonzaga or, or Baylor. Um, I think Gonzaga's looked the best. That doesn't mean Baylor can't beat them, but at this point, I think you have to stick with Gonzaga. They haven't lost. They've they've won every one of their games except one by double digits. I see no – I don't see that changing with their, their next game against UCLA. At this point, Gonzaga's at least my pick. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's kind of crazy. You had all those upsets early. And, you know, we do have an 11 seed now in the final four, but, you know, we're just two, two wins away from the two best teams all year long playing for a national championship. So it could, it could work out that you know, we, we get kind of the matchup that, you know, Michigan fans didn't want to see, but, you know, college basketball in general wants to see. And yeah, I would say the same thing. I, I would, you know, kind of be silly, I guess, not to just say, Gonzaga over Baylor at this point in what could be a you know an all-time classic championship game because Baylor is starting to look like they were you know before their COVID issues um, really rolling on, on kind of both sides of the ball or both sides of the court and then you know because I, I do think Houston will will give them a little trouble they'll hit the offensive glass they'll defend like heck but you know Baylor will just outscore them when all said and done I think and uh as much as UCLA has been grinding out games and, and somehow limiting teams you know to just Terribly terrible shooting nights, particularly from three. I think that's a lot harder to do against Gonzaga than it than it was against Michigan and, and even Alabama and, and you know their previous opponents. So I'm yeah, with you, Aaron. Give me give me Gonzaga over Baylor. Yeah, I think that the debate for for Gonzaga and uh, and UCLA shouldn't be who wins, but does UCLA cover the 14 and a half spread or not? Uh, in that game. I mean, that's just an absurd, absurd num- number for a, for a final four game. But yeah, I mean, at, at this point, like I was, I was annoyed earlier when people would say like, I'll take Baylor or Gonzaga against the field any, any time, any day of the week. And it's like, I would always take the field. But now at this point, it's like that those are two, two of the clearly the best teams in, in the country. And at, at this point, it would be nice to see that them in the, in the championship and, and battle it out for, for the title. So we will, if we will find, 
And if you're a basketball purist, you I, at least from my standpoint, you want to see the two best teams play. You know that that's I guess right. if there's a knock against the NCAA tournament, it's that it's a one game format and upsets happen. You don't always necessarily get the best teams in the Final Four or Elite Eight or whatever the case may be. This year we have an opportunity to get the, like you said, Andrew, the two best teams from basically the beginning of the season to play one another. And I think if you're a basketball fan, I don't think you can ask for much much else. Yeah, I mean, there's no Cinderella story here. I mean, UCLA is, as an 11 seed, they've got the most national championships in the history of the sport. So, you know, they're not, it's hard to view them as, you know, the the underdog here. I mean, they are in this game, but, you know, again, they've had quite the run. Plucky you know, upstart. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how it all shakes out. Baylor, the one seed, Houston, the two seed, Zaga, the number one overall seed against Houston. Thank you. First Final Four I will not be at since I've started on this beat. 2018, my first year, Michigan, you know, went to the national championship. 2019, I hopped on with our colleague Kyle Austin as Michigan State made it. Last year, you know, no NCAA tournament. And now this year, Michigan comes up one game short. You mean you won't be making another drive to Indianapolis? <laughs> this is it. This is, I'm going back. I, that is it. I, you know, closed out my accounts uh, you know, in Indiana that I was working on. Well, that'll that'll do it for today's episode. Andrew, drive safe and uh, looking forward to you retaking over the, the hosting du- duties on the next podcast. Absolutely. Thanks everyone for listening. Stay safe.